Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I felt like, here's a person that's changing the world, and what am I doing? And again, this is in March of 18, 18 months after this, I ended up leaving my position as CEO of my company because I, I felt like there was something missing in my life and I wanted to do more. That was the beginning of something that says a lot about just where I was mentally. I was 39 at the time, just a couple of weeks away from turning 40. And, and I did feel that way for a while until I didn't. And then until I realized that, you know, all Elon Musk is, is someone that's leaned into his gifts and unapologetically went after what he wants to create in the world. And I think that the minute we give ourselves permission to do that, that's when the world opens up for us to give us more of what we want. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. So today's episode is a very unique story I'd like to tell, and it's going to end where I talk about the time I met Elon Musk, but I want to start the story actually (laughs) early on. I'm going to take you back to 1984-85, Fullerton, California. And so I grew up, for those of you that don't know this, I grew up in in, in Orange County, California. And I grew up in a uh, middle-class neighborhood originally and moved in uh, Fullerton, California, and then ended up moving to Anaheim Hills, California, which is more of an upper middle-class area. But my family, my father immigrated to the United States after the revolution in Iran. My mom, American, she's an Italian-American, and my father ended up coming to the United States with my mom after the revolution and my family bought a small home in Fullerton. It was a little 1200 square foot off flower street in Fullerton and it was a small little yellow house. So right around that same time in LA, there was a serial killer named Richard Ramirez who was basically breaking into people's homes 
and murdering them. I mean, torturing them, murdering them, doing all this crazy stuff. Now, this is like 1945. I'm like, I'm born in 1978, which means I was six, seven years old. I have a twin brother, and we lived in a small little yellow house off Flower Street in Fullerton. And it turned out that this guy, Richard Ramirez, and some of you, if you Google him, you'll see like there's this guy's like kind of like he looks like a freaking serial killer. I mean, he's he's like he was a really famous serial killer around the time. This is before Jeffrey Dahmer, and but this guy's like one of the most famous serial killers of all time. He t- terrorized LA. And the Los Angeles area during that time frame and some areas in California. And what he would do is he'd break into these homes and he would kill people, you know, torture them and kill them. And he, in particular, they, they were trying to figure out like what his MO was. And one of the things that they realized with him was he was targeting yellow homes near the freeway. Come and repeat that again. Yellow homes near the freeway. So I happen to live right where the 91 freeway and the five freeway like intersect border of Buena park in Fullerton. If you go Google Fullerton, California on a map, you'll see what I'm talking about. You can type in flower street if you want. (laughs) And I lived in a yellow house. Now in my little six year old brain, I'm thinking, I I probably didn't say these words, but I was, I know how I thought about it. I said, Holy shit. I live in a yellow house near the freeway. Like not far away from where these things are happening. I probably live like within 30 miles of where these murders are happening, probably even less in some cases. So I, in my little six-year-old brain, seven-year-old brain, was absolutely convinced that Richard Ramirez was going to come to my house and murder me and my family. I was just absolutely convinced in my little preschool kindergarten brain. (laughs) And so was my brother, by the way. So I have a twin brother, Mike. I couldn't even just like keep this to myself. Now, back then you have the LA Times, you have the Orange County Register newspaper. And on the front cover is like a sketch of this dude that looks scary as fuck who's breaking into people's homes and murdering them. So I, again, am fully convinced that this is going to happen to me and my family. Fast forward to one night, my family and I come home and our house, our front door is open. I've come home from kindergarten and my front door is wide open. Can you imagine like coming home and you're and like you and your family, your parents have been at work all day and you guys drive home and the front door is wide open. Like what is the first thing you think? You're like, who the fuck is in my house? Right. Who the hell just broke into my home? <laughs> like that's, that's what I was thinking. Right. And we go inside and our entire house is ransacked and the police show up and my brother and I in our little six year old minds were like, Richard Ramirez just came into our house. He tried to come in and kill my family. <laughs> and so we came up with a narrative that Richard the robber, we called him Richard the robber, had broken into our house to come and murder our family. I was 100% convinced of this. Now, I'll fast forward to let you know that eventually they captured this guy. They didn't know what he looked like exactly. There wasn't, there's no like video cameras or anything like that, like there is nowadays. There was just these like weird sketches. Like some of the victims did not get murdered. They they fled or they got away. You know, they were attempted murders. And the, so there's these like really scary sketches of this guy, but they ended up capturing the guy. It became this media sensation where this guy's like saying crazy shit, like making references to Disneyland. He draws pentagrams on his hand and you know, he's hamming it up in front of the media and he ends up going on death row. And anyway, long story short. I remember this look. I'd see him on the news when they ca- captured him. And I remember this look in his eyes. And it was the look like he had no soul in his eyes. 
And I was like flabbergasted by this. It was burned into my brain that, wow, that's a scary guy. And look at just like the, like the no, there was no soul. He just looks like, like that became in my brain what a serial killer looks like. And that's what their eyes look like. So I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to press the pause button there. I'm going to fast forward to 2018, March of 2018. And I moved to Austin, Texas in May of 17. And I started, I bought a piece of land here with my wife and my family. And it was to build a home. And so we, we broke ground in October of 17. We started designing the house in March of 17. And by March of 18, we were mid-construction. And, I, and in March of 18, I had, it's South by Southwest here in Austin happened, what used to, pre-pandemic used to happen every March. Um, but back then it was happening. And I had a friend come to town. It was a good friend of mine. Uh, I went on semester at sea with him. His name was Tom Wellington. And Tom came to town for two reasons. Number one, he came to town to see his grandmother who lives in an older folks community outside of Austin. Uh, he grew up in uh, outside of D.C. And, uh, and, but lives in L.A. And he's a very powerful, important agent in the world of TV writing. And, uh, and he also comes for South by Southwest. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'm in town for South by and see my grandmother. Do you want to grab breakfast? as he knew I had moved to Austin just previously the year before. And we'd been staying in touch over the years since we graduated college. Uh, we didn't go to the same college, but we traveled abroad together. Uh, we did Semester at Sea together, which is a really cool program, by the way. Semesteratsea.org. I'm plugging you right now. You, Anyone who wants to do something amazing, go check that out. But going back to the story, so we had traveled around the world. We were 20 years old together on this boat, built a long-term relationship. We're still, you know, friends to this day. And... um he says, hey, do you want to um, go grab breakfast? I said, yeah, great. Let's grab breakfast. There's this really cool place by my house called Picnic. And so we go to Picnic, which is like a paleo breakfast place. And we get, eat breakfast and just catch up and we're hanging out. After breakfast, he said, hey, you want to go see my house? I'm building a house. Now, the cool thing was I rented the house next door to the home I was building, which is a story in of itself. But so I'm living next door to the construction site. I rented the house that was happened to be up for rent next door to the house I'm building, my neighbor's house. And so... We go, he says, hi to my wife, Mariah, the kids. And I said, hey, well, let me show you the house. So we go next door and we start looking at the house. And it's all sticks at this point. You know, it's like the, the lumber's up, but it's it's definitely like a construction site. And so we're walking around my house. And, and if you can imagine it, it's, you know, it's like drywall's up. It's a massive, you know, this is like, it's going to be done in December and we're in March. Nine months away from the finished home being built. It takes about 14 months. So we're just in the beginning parts of construction. And so I'm kind of walking in from room to room and I'm like, this is going to be the living room and this is going to be the kitchen. And I see him, he keeps looking down at his phone and I'm like, and I just got to say this, first of all, like I hate when people look at their phones when you're in the middle of talking to them. It's like, in my mind, it's like there can be nothing more inappropriate than that. Like people pull out their phones during dinner. I'll ask them to put their phones away. For me, it's just like, Hey, when you're there, be present, you know, show some attention, be in the moment. Don't, you know, your phone is going to be there 10 minutes from now. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life. From canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So finally, you know, he's like, hey, man, you know, like he was looking at his phone and I'm getting a little bit more perturbed as he's doing this. I don't realize what's happening, though. And he says, hey, man, I'm so sorry, but I got a text from my assistant. You know, one of my clients is he's here in town for South by Southwest and he's interviewing Elon Musk and like. 30 minutes downtown at the Moody Theater. The Moody Theater is where they f- film Austin City Limits. And so he's like, hey, do you want to go You want to go see Elon Musk talk? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go see Elon Musk talk. And so I go, well, let me go check my wife. Because it's like Sunday, 10 o'clock in the morning. So I go next door and I ask my, Mariah. I said, hey, do you mind if you know, I go see Elon Musk talk with, with Tom? As one of his clients is interviewing him. And he said, she said, yeah, sure, go for it. So we get in an Uber and we go head downtown. I live just north of downtown. I live in central Austin, just north of downtown. So we get an Uber, 
leave the construction site. I was not annoyed at this point that he had been checking his phone. In fact, I was happy that he had been. And I'm like, hell yeah, man, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for, at this point, 18 years of my life. Like, dude, going and seeing Elon Musk talk is, you know, especially in like, you know, not a huge event, a couple thousand people. That's kind of cool. So we're in the car. He's like, yeah, you know, my client is um, Jonah Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan's brother, and he's the showrunner of Westworld. It's him and his wife. And uh, they created Westworld. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm not a big TV person. I'd watch Westworld, but I didn't. And I'm not a big, like, fame person. I don't really get starstruck or anything like that. And so, uh, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, like, whatever's getting us down there. So we head down there, and he's, like, telling me kind of about Jonah and his... It's an interesting story. The guy created Memento. He was he wrote Memento, and his brother turned it into a movie, like, when he was in college at Georgetown. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is his client. Maybe we'll meet him. And so we go into the Moody and one of the assistants comes out and grabs us and we get into like the VIP balcony and we're hanging out there and, and it's like a 90 minute talk and it's super interesting. And Elon Musk comes on stage, Jonah Nolan comes on stage and they do this 90 minute talk. They're talking about the boring company and going to Mars. You can actually Google it if you want and you can watch, you know, just Google like South by Southwest 2018, Elon Musk, Jonah Nolan. And you'll see the exact talk we saw. So it was a really insightful 90 minutes. And it was kind of a cool, just a, as an entrepreneur, like just to witness, you know, someone like Elon, who's at this point was not what he is at the moment. He was obviously an iconic CEO and entrepreneur, but not the richest guy on earth. That's for sure. And I'll actually be getting to what was going on in his life in just a few moments. So we get done with, with, with watching the talk and we leave, go to leave the theater. And he's like, well, hey man, do you want to? We want to maybe try to, maybe we should go backstage and you can meet my, my client. You can meet Elon. And I'm like, he's like, do you want to do that? I said, oh yeah, fuck yeah. I want to do that. I want to meet Elon Musk. And again, I'm not even, I'm just to be transparent. I'm not even a, necessarily, a, I'm not a fan. I don't own a Tesla. I mean, I'm a fan of him as an, as an, being a cool entrepreneur is doing, doing some iconic shit, but like, I'm not like a person that's like, oh man, I got to go meet Elon Musk. Like that's my life dream. Like I'd never really thought twice about it before that. And, and so we go uh, to the backstage and we go basically the security's there and we said, Hey, can we go, you know, he says, Hey, my client Jonah just spoke would just spoke with Elon on stage. I'd like to go back and see him. So they said, Oh, she like, you know, pulls up her little walkie talkie. She's like, Oh no, they left already. So he obviously hit the Hollywood side of my, my buddy Tom comes out and he's like, yeah, right. He texts cause he knew they were back there. He texts somebody 30 seconds later, the assistant comes up, same girl that brought us into the Moody theater comes from backstage and we end up going backstage. Hey gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years, and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that, that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're, you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show, and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've know you got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk, and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, 
then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next called 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled our, my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius. Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix... They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and from my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video, and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. I had been backstage in the Moody once with the CEO group of mine, and so I was familiar with what it looked like. And um, and it's this cool, you know, of what you would imagine a backstage looks like. There's a lot of posters of people that are performed there. And we go back there, and it's absolutely empty. I mean, like empty as empty can be, except for six people. Me, Tom, Elon, his brother, Jonah, and his wife, the other showrunner for Westworld. Now, a showrunner, for those of you that don't know, is basically like the CEO of a show, the creator, the writer. I think it might be different by show, but a showrunner means that's your show. You own it. It's the it's the highest position you can have in a show. So they own the show Westworld, and, and Elon had come into town because there was a big Westworld exhibit going on outside of Boston, and they were promoting it at South by Southwest. And, and so it's the four of them standing in like a semicircle. Tom and I walk up. And so if you can imagine... You're in a group of six people, not very large. And so to my right is Tom. To his right is Jonah's wife, who I'm forgetting her name right now, but she's this this famous TV person who was one of the creators of Westworld. Her husband, Jonah Nolan, who's the creator of Westworld, co-creator of Westworld, uh, showrunner of Westworld, and brother of Christopher Nolan, the guy that did Batman and all this stuff. And and again, like I don't really watch a lot of movies and TV and stuff. So for me, I was like, yeah, whatever. That's cool. Like they have an interesting job. To Jonah's left was Elon Musk's brother, whose name is escaping me right now. To his left is Elon Musk, who's standing right next to me. So I'm standing like literally like, like you're at a party in a little circle of six and I'm standing right next to Elon Musk. So I noticed two. So first of all, we shake hands, pleasantries. And then I look and I notice something right away. Dude, the guy is super fucking tall. <laughs> and I don't think those people like realize this. And I've, I've said it to multiple people now who I've told the story to privately in my life. And everyone's always shocked to hear that he's really tall. Now, I will say this. They were in like kind of Texas garb. So they're all wearing cowboy boots and hats and shit because they're, you know, from LA at the time and they're coming to hang out in Austin and they're, they're, they're doing their Austin thing. So 
I didn't put two and two together until later, but that he probably had a couple extra inches because of these cowboy boots he's wearing. But dude, I'm six feet tall and this guy's at least five or six inches taller than me with his boots on. So, and so was his brother. And I was like, man, these guys are tall. Like I never knew it. And I think with Elon, you kind of, he has that like computer science, like hunched over thing going on. So you don't necessarily think he's tall, but no, the guy was tall. He was at least six, two or six, three without boots on. And, and so I was, I was like surprised by it. And that's number one. And number two, I'll get to in a second. It was something I also noticed a, a couple moments later, but we're standing in the circle and I, for the first time in my life, and for listeners in this, of this show, you'll be surprised to hear this. I had nothing to say. It was like shocking. And I realized the normal pleasantries get thrown out the window. Like, hi, I'm Darius. What's your name? <laughs> or hi, I'm Darius. What do you do for a living? I just came and watched the guy talk for three hours. It's one of the most famous people on earth. The guy that's the other guy in the room is the guy who was just talking to him. They know that we know who they are. So I was like, I have nothing to say. So I said, hey, I'm Darius. Nice to meet you. Quiet. Now, thank God I'm there with Tom, who this is not his first rodeo. He's a power agent in Hollywood. The guy is not not used to like hanging out with celebrity or people that you already know who they are. They know they know you know who they are. And everyone in that circle knew we knew who they were, even Elon Musk's brother. Why? Because during this talk, at the end of the talk, and again, you can watch this on YouTube, they call his brother on stage and they bust out a guitar and they sing My Little Buttercup from the movie The Three Amigos. And it's Elon, Jonah, and Elon's brother singing My, Li- My Little Buttercup. It's like, My Little Buttercup. You can hear it. I, I, I'm not really familiar with the movie, nor was I then, but it was the whole crowd singing along. And so it was this a funny moment during the whole talk. So Tom, being the pro that he is, goes right into it goes and starts just juices them on on the my little buttercup moment he goes oh that was brilliant you guys saying the my little buttercup and everyone starts like laughing and everyone except elon who's just like you could tell is like doesn't want to be there and so him and jonah though jonah's tom's client you know client patron relationship right like they're friends right these are obviously friends. And so is his wife. His wife is a, is a client of Tom's. And so they're all friends. They all know each other. So Tom kind of takes the reins and starts doing his thing. He's a, one of the probably the most charismatic people I know. And he's getting everyone, you know, kind of like laughing and talking while, and so Elon and I are standing there quiet, but his brother is, is talking about singing the song and Jonah's chiming in and the wife's kind of laughing. And Tom's talking. And all the while I'm sitting there and for the first time in my life, I a, have nothing to say and B, I'm insecure about it. And I'm like, I can't believe I have nothing to say. I'm like, I can't just be the weird guy that stands here and doesn't say anything. Like That just, that, that can't be. And so I learned a couple lessons at the moment. Number one is we should all probably think a little bit differently about how we approach our conversations instead of the pleasantries or the, the generic, what do you do or what's your name or, or, you know, where are you from? Right. So I, at that moment I said, you know, I need to build a, a stronger library of questions for when I meet people. And it was a, it was a great learning moment for me, but the biggest, most important thing has had yet to happen during this interaction. So quietly standing there thinking about what am I going to say? to what is to become the richest man on earth, the most iconic entrepreneur, probably since Steve Jobs. I glance up at the man and I look and I notice something and it strikes me like right in the heart. I notice his eyes. 
Elon Musk's eyes like stood out to me in a way that like, it was like unexplainable, but two thoughts went through my head right then and there. Wow. He has no glimmer in his eyes and it's hard to explain, but it's a thing that most, like I'd never seen it before. There was no glimmer in the eye, like nothing. And it was like just black. And I hesitate to say this right now, but I'm going to say it. It was dead. He had like this dead, like these dead eyes. So that was my first thought. I was like, wow, his eyes have no soul. And I just had never seen it before. I, d- I didn't know what to do with it. And then my next thought was the, the shocker. <laughs> I, I laugh because it's like, I can't believe I thought this. This just shows you how perverted my mind is. And I go to myself, this is, no, this is all happening in microseconds. Oh, he has dead eyes. And I've seen those eyes before. And right away, I realized that I had seen him before when I was six years old, when they are seven years old, when they'd captured Richard Ramirez in, in Southern California after his murdering spree. And he had the same eyes. And I was like, holy shit, man. Elon Musk have the same, he has serial killer eyes? <laughs> like, like this is all happening in, in real time. I have two th- thoughts going on. I have those thoughts going on in my brain while I'm like, I can't not say anything. So look, I'm going to be honest. I, there's no way I was going to say, Hey, yeah, Hey Elon, you know, does anyone ever told you you have serial killer eyes? I had a, like three thoughts going on. The third thought was like, man, I really want to get a picture with Elon Musk, but I think Tom would be super embarrassed if I asked. So I can't ask. So I see, my, I seize my moment, which is, this is a kind of a lame ending to this story, but, but it's, you got to know the ending cause you heard the rest of the story. And I just say to him, I go, so where are you guys staying? <laughs> what hotel are you guys staying at? You know, and they're like, oh, we're staying at the four seasons, which is right across the street from where, where we had just seen the talk. I go, oh, cool. Now I ask the next lamest question I could ask. For those of you that don't know, Austin is very famous for its barbecue. And so I said, so have you guys had any barbecue since you've been in town? Which is Austin's famous for its barbecue. So it wasn't the worst question. And they said, yeah, 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 yeah. We had some barbecue. And there's a, um, a joint here that's ultra famous, it, which is Aaron Franklin's place. It's called Franklin's Barbecue. And this is like, you know, Anthony Bourdain and, you know, Barack Obama, you know, famously have eaten here. And this is, it was voted number one barbecue in America. And for, if I have any listeners that are barbecue people, you'll, you'll be like, yeah, dude, Franklin's is, is it's a famous place. Aaron Franklin is the number was voted number one pit master in the United States. So it's like asking someone if they've been to like the most famous, any restaurant. So I asked, I said, Hey, what did you, did you guys have Franklin's? And they all look at each other like, oh, why is this guy asking us these questions? And one of them just, you know, sheepishly answers, no, nah, we don't know. Like and someone just brought it for us. And that was the end of my questions. I said, oh, cool. So I think I asked, I said, well, when are you guys leaving? And it went leaving town. They said, oh yeah, like today. And that was the end of it. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I, had those. I said something, but it wasn't my finest moment. My takeaway was, man, I really need to step up my, when people know, you know who they are game questions. <laughs> But I'd never been put in that situation before. It was the first time in my life I'd been in a room full of people who they knew, I knew they knew who they were, right? And they didn't know who I was. So we ended up, you know, kind of saying our goodbyes. We left. And so we're leaving the the Moody. I took a picture of my hand. I was like, man, I got to memorialize this somehow. You know, it's the hand that just shook Elon Musk's hand. Now, I will say this. A couple years later, you know, I was I was telling this story to a friend of mine, um, 
Steve Sims, who knows Elon, and he agreed. He said, you know, that Elon's got a little bit of that going on. This like he said, he thought of it as maybe it was like a being on the spectrum type of deal, which that's obviously a some people believe that he has Asperger's. And maybe that's what that was. But I I looked it up and I had found out when I was talking to Steve that in March of 2018, it came out in the news right after that, that for in sorry, in April of 18, it came out. This was the same time that Elon Musk was actually sleeping on the floor of his factory trying to fix production issues. And they were like weeks away from actually running out of money. So in his defense, even though I will stay stick with my story that Elon Musk had serial killer eyes that day that looked exactly like Richard Ramirez, the night stalker's eyes. He had been sleeping on the floor of the giga factory trying to fix issues and almost running out of money. <laughs> so if you were ever going to look like a serial killer, that was your moment. So I did say to Tom though, I said, would it have been awkward if I had asked to take a picture? And he's like, Oh yeah, thank you for not doing that. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know that's a, that would have been a pretty big JV move. So the lessons learned number one, Maybe we all need to start rethinking about the how do how do we greet people that we don't know and what questions do we ask because the small talk stuff although easy and lazy may put you in a bind because you never know when you may be having breakfast with a friend and two hours later meeting Elon Musk which is precisely what happened to me and I didn't have the best questions in the, uh, to ask and so I did feel like it was a bit of a missed opportunity but it was interesting to you know to meet someone who is changing the world in that way and to, to be in their presence and, and to see that, man, this is a human being just like you and me. And, but to have that experience where I, and I still don't have an answer for it is that why did he have that? Why did he not have that glimmer in his eye? Was it being, was it pure fatigue or was there something else there? I guess we'll all just have to wonder. And if you have met him and can give me an answer to that, feel, please feel free to email me. You're <laughs> at the show. But anyway, I just wanted to share that story. It's one of my more uh, intriguing entrepreneurial stories. I'll tell you that uh, on the story on this, I ended up telling the story to uh, one of my CEO forums that I'm in. And I ended up having this moment right afterwards that is probably a, a conversation for another time because it's it's a deeper story. But I was really excited about it right after it happened. And then I got into my taxi to or Uber, excuse me, to head to go meet up with a, another friend of mine. And I had this sinking feeling right after, and it was this terrible feeling that I've, I've since now really done a lot of work on, but it was like, man, I am such a loser. And I, I couldn't believe, like I felt that way for a, a couple of weeks afterwards. And then the reason I felt that way was I felt like here's a person that's changing the world. And what am I doing? And again, this is in March of 18 you know, about 18 months after this, I ended up leaving my position as CEO of my company because I, I felt like there was something missing in my life and I wanted to do more. But yeah, that was the beginning of something that, that says a lot about just where I was mentally. It was, I was 39 at the time, um, just a couple of weeks away from turning 40. And, and I did feel that way for a while until I didn't. And then until I realized that, you know, all Elon Musk is, is someone that's leaned into his gifts and unapologetically went after what he wants to create in the world. And I think that the minute we give ourselves permission to do that, that's when the world opens up for us to give us more of what we want. So that's what I'm trying to do now these days. And it's, it's serving me well. And if I could give myself advice for that day, it would have been to not compare myself because comparison is, is what do they say? It's like the, it's like a poison, you know, 
and it's and compared despair, as they say. And for me, it's if I could give myself advice for that day, it would be number one, have better have a better opening line for Elon Musk. Number two, you don't have to have an answer as to why he looks like a serial killer. And number three, compared to Spare Brother, you are not Elon Musk. You have different talents. You need to go live your your talents, live in your strengths, go create the beauty in the world with what you've been given. And the world will be a better place if you can do that. So I'll sign off with that. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Looking forward to uh, our next episode of The Greatness Machine. Take care. Bye-bye. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We'd love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.